Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, friends. Today is the second conversation, second part of a conversation with KJ, who is a gentle and conscious parenting expert. She has worked really hard to learn all she can and practice it in her own life. And she's just a wealth of knowledge. So if you haven't listened to the first part, please go back um, to episode 63 and listen to the first part of our conversation. It's a really good foundation for where we're going today. So go listen to that if you haven't already, and then come on back to this episode. In this episode, we're going to talk about more about tantrums and more about uh, time ins versus time outs and what that looks like, and then what to do after the time in. And it's just such an important and valuable conversation for any parent, or if you know a parent, <laughs> this can be so helpful. So, so you're going to love this episode. I just know it. And um, I guess I'll stop talking and we can get into the episode. Can you walk us through what a tantrum looks like in your household? I know we kind of talked about this like before we started recording, but. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. They fortunately don't happen as often now. I feel like there was a point where it was happening all the time and I'm just like, you know, but um, now when they happen, it's really, I can tell, I can already anticipate on days that it will happen. And it's, it's usually because I'm more aware now of what my child needs. And so I know on days where he's extra tired or maybe it's, it's a really busy day and we have a lot of different activities throughout the day. Or if I know that, um, okay, I, I forgot to bring a snack with me uh, while we're out of the house. Like I know he's hungry. Like when there's like certain basic needs like that, I'm so much more understanding and, and I, I can at- anticipate it. So if for some reason I left the house and forgot a snack, it's like, okay, there's a good chance. He's probably not going to be able to maintain his composure during this outing or whatnot. So I'm going to have to have a plan in place to either feed him something or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on days where he is really emotional, usually that happens after school, he's had a long day at school, he comes home and he releases all of that frustration at home. And I, I'm now at a place where I understand that that is completely developmentally appropriate, especially for school age children who are trying to so hard to just follow the rules and be, you know, on point all day long. And they are just overstimulated, exhausted. They come home and they feel safe to just release all of that on us. And I no longer take that personally. I understand like that is just what he needs right now. Mm-hmm. So what happens is he will, you know, be on the floor, just lying around, you know, lying down on the floor, 
kicking things, um, crying, whatever it is he's upset about. Um, and that's when I try to get down to his level and try as my best to understand where he's coming from. And if he's able to talk to me and tell me what he needs, sometimes he'll say, I just need a hug or I need to snuggle. And a snuggle is like just a long hug for us. And sometimes we'll just be able to do that and, and things are fine. But on, on some days he can't even communicate that with me. And, you know, it, when it starts to escalate, if he, if he tries to hit me or kick me or um, what, you know, get into my boundary, things that I, I know and that he knows are not safe behaviors. And I know that he can't really control himself. That's where, that's when I tell him, okay, we need a time in. And he's small enough right now where I will pick him up and I will bring him to his room, shut the door. And I just sit there. I sit there and he, I let him have his tantrum and let him let it all out. And I remain calm the whole time. And when he comes close enough to me, if he's laying on the floor, he's a lot of times he's laying on the floor and he's um, kind of kicking his feet in the air and whatnot. But if he pushes himself close to me, you know, I'll try to like rub his back or offer a hug. Sometimes I'll ask him like, would you like for me to hold you right now while you're feeling this way? And sometimes he'll be open to it. And other times he wants nothing to do with me. And other times he'll tell me to go away, like leave. I don't want you here. And I know that when he's older, I can understand, okay, you need some space. I'm going to, you know, I'll let you have some space. But right now I know that he, he's still learning how to regulate himself. And, and I know that children will say that to push you away, but they really don't want you to leave. They, they, they're kind of testing to see if, if you'll leave them. And I just know my son doesn't have those skills yet. So I, what I say to him in those moments is I'm not going to leave you while you're like this. I'm going to, I'm going to just sit here and just in case, just in case you need me. Once you settle down a little bit, then I'll give you some space. But right now I'm going to stay here with you. And um, it feels like it goes on forever, but honestly, I would say like after 20 minutes, he gets it out of his system and he will slowly get to a place where he can communicate with me. And sometimes he'll say, can you read me this book? And he'll grab a book from his calming corner or he'll grab a fidget toy that we'll kind of play together. But in my mind, in those, especially in the beginning where I'm like, this is not going to work. You know, a time in is just a waste of time. Like, why do people do this? Like, I don't like, this is doing nothing, but I just would continue to sit through it. And eventually it would stop. Ta all tantrums stop eventually. Right. And as your child is learning how to do a time in and learning how to work through and get that emotion out, they, they don't last as long. And, um, yeah. So that's, so that's what a tantrum looks like in our home after, after he's let it out of his system, then we, we, it usually ends with us in a snuggle because he kind of needs that afterwards and that feeling of like safety again. Um, so we'll either read a book together or we'll just sit and hug each other for a few minutes. And then he's, and then he's fine. Like I know two new parents that are just learning about time ins and positive parenting. And they think I don't have the patience for a time in it is hard. I'm not going to lie. It is hard, but you're going to have to put in the time anyway. You're either, either you send them away for a timeout and they're upset for an hour by themselves. And then they're still upset afterwards, or you sit with them for an hour. I have done that before while they learn to work through it. And eventually over time, 
they get better at it because it is a skill. It's a skill that they're learning. It's a skill that you're learning as a parent also. And it, it gets, it gets easier. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm still trying to work this part out of the time ends in our household. Um, like where, where is your attention as the parent when they're having their tantrum on their own and they're letting it out because I have one child who will like scream, don't look at me and feel so embarrassed and don't want, doesn't want me to even be looking in their direction. Like being in the same room is fine, but I can't be looking at them. I've, I tried it once where I told my daughter, I'm here to show you love. I'm here when you're ready. I'm going to sit here and read this book though until you're ready. Cause it was, it was lasting quite a while. And but I'm not sure that felt good either. So I'm just kind of wondering what, what, I don't know, do you put your full attention on the child tantruming? Yeah, my attention. So when I am with my son during a time in, one thing is I never have my phone with me. That's not even um, something that is there to distract me from it. Um, but I just sit there. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say um, that I'm just constantly like looking at him, I guess in the beginning, I might be to make sure that he's safe and that he's not, you know, trying to hurt himself or throw things or anything like that. I'm, I'm monitoring his behavior to make sure that he's still staying safe while he's having his tantrum. But if he were to tell me like, don't look at me, then I, I would look away and not look at him. Um, sometimes if there is a book or something near me, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll look at it. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And sometimes that might even have pique his curiosity and, and want to also see the book, you know, that, that I'm looking at. But um, I know when he was younger too, like if, if he would get upset that I was touching anything of his during that moment, it's like, okay, that's fine. I'll just sit here. Um, I'm just, you know, I'll just sit here and, and stare at the clock and just watch how slowly time is going by right now. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, what would you do if um my son has done this before where I've gone and sat with him and then he'll like continue to hit and mm -hmm. kick he hasn't done it lately it was more so when he was younger but so I guess more so thinking of like the parents that are listening with younger kids and like maybe they have mm -hmm. kids that are hitting continuing to hit and continuing mm -hmm. um like what what do you do in that moment yes so my son's five and a half and it's 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 almost like he knows he's not supposed to at this point because for a while he wouldn't do it for for at all because he knew he wasn't supposed to. But now it's like he knows he's five and a half. So he likes to test the boundaries now and see what he can get away with. And so there are still moments and time ins where he'll try to like kick me or he's he's laying on the floor and he's got his legs towards me and he's trying to like kick me with his legs um, or he'll try to punch me, too. And um, and again, most parents will think like, oh, kids who are five, six, seven, they should know better. They, they shouldn't be doing that. Kids will still do that. And a lot of it is that's just how their body feels in that moment when they're experiencing those big emotions. Like they, they want to express themselves with like movement. Right. So mm -hmm. you still want to set the boundaries and still remind them kicking is not okay. Punching is not okay. Hurting other people is not okay. And when my son tries to kick me, I will, I'll hold his legs so he can't kick me. I'll be mm -hmm. gentle, but firm. And, um, you know, he'll get annoyed because he can't, he can't kick me. And I'll just say, I will not let you hurt me. I will not let you kick me. And 
um, you know, if he continues to try to, to kick me or if I can feel him, then I'll, I'll continue to hold him. If he starts to move away, I'll, I'll, I'll let him go. So it's never, it's never like, a um, an aggressive hold or anything like that. And if he tries again, I'll do the same thing and I'll stop him and I'll, I'll be watching more closely for any signs of him, like trying to hurt me in the, at that point. And I'll hold his arms if he tries to hit me and continue to remind him, like, I'm not going to let you hit me. That's not okay. Um, but anytime he moves away or anything like that, I'll let him go and tell him I'm, I'm going to continue to hold you. If you, if you keep trying to hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how we handle that. So I say that carefully because I don't want parents to think, oh, I'm just going to hold them Mm -hmm. until they just stop. And it's not really that. And that alone can be traumatizing for a child Mm -hmm. if they're being held against their will for an extended period of time. So even if you need to hold a child because they're not being safe, it's like for seconds, you know, it's like just to remind them, like, you can't, can't hurt me. You can't hurt yourself or other people. And, you know, when they're really struggling, you know, release them and, and just let them know, I'm going to have to hold you again if you try to hurt me again. So there's a gentle way of, of preventing your child from hurting you in, but, but in a safe, safe way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my other um, follow-up question to that was then, so then what is your conversation like after the um, tantrum is over? What kind of like skills do you work through? Do you just talk about what happened? That's a great question um, because there is more to it than just the time in because you have to have the teaching moment too. Um, but you can't really have the teaching moment while they're having, you know, the right. tantrum. Yeah. So yes, once we're calm, and actually this happens when afterwards when we're we're snuggling or after I've read him a book and he's calmed, I'll always ask, all right, what happened just now? Um, and and we'll kind of talk through the situation. Okay, you came home from school and you threw your backpack across the room. That was not okay to do. What what what's what, what was happening? Or what, what happened at school? Or you know what were you feeling? So we practice a lot about our emotions too to talk about it and. I'll help him kind of talk through the situation we just had. And some days he's like, I don't know what happened. So then I'll explain to him, well, this is what I noticed. You came home from school, you threw your backpack. You were really upset at what we were having for supper. And, and then, and then we had to come up here and then I'll ask questions like, what could we have done instead? What could you, or what could you have said when you came home? Um, What do you think your body needed at that moment? questions like that to kind of help them think. And then we talk through like, okay, next time that happens, what can we do differently? Um, Okay. When you come home and you see, you don't like what we're having for supper, you can say, mom, I don't like what we're having for supper. And then we can have a conversation about it. Um, And so mealtime, that's a whole nother dilemma too. So I I won't, I won't take us down that rabbit hole, but, um, but it really is a, uh, a reflection of what happened and then helping them think of what they could do differently next time. And sometimes it's like, well, what could I have done differently next time? You know, cause sometimes it's, it's, well, then you said this or you, you yelled at me and, and that made me really mad. And it's like, okay, so next time, you know, next time I feel frustrated about whatever the situation was, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to try and keep my voice calm or whatever it is. So it's kind of problem solving on both sides. It's it, again, mm-hmm. it's that collaborative approach. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One more follow-up question to that. Cause I'm thinking of parents who like, I know if I'm in the middle of dinner, I can't just like stop dinner cause everything's going to burn and, you know, go sit in a, in a time in. Um, and then also if you have like, if you have more than one child and, um, uh, like, maybe there's multiple tantrums happening at once or whatever and you just you don't have the time to sit with all of them like what would you say to mm-hmm. or what would you do in that situation yes so that would be really difficult it, I you, I can just picture the mom in the or the dad in the kitchen getting dinner ready multiple kids running around everybody's upset yeah you can't you can't just let dinner burn so that you can go have a 30 minute time in with one child and then have another one with another child. Like it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess in that situation, what I would, what, what I would suggest is there's, there's certain um, aspects of the positive parenting where it can be applied. It, it's not going to look the same for every family because every family is so different. Every child is different. Every parent is different. And at the end of the day, the important thing is, is did, does, did my child feel heard? Do they feel respected today? Do they feel they were valued and that their feelings were validated today? However, that can look in your family, it might look different. So in that specific scenario, if I was alone by myself and I had multiple children, which I don't, so it is harder for me to um, relate to in that scenario. But I, I guess hypothetically, if I had multiple children who were really upset and dinner was on the stove, and I had no, I couldn't wait for dinner to finish cooking. Um, I would probably have to turn off the stove, right. To be safe and just pause that mealtime planning or whatnot, or, or plan ahead. If I knew that like my partner was out of town and I was gonna be myself, I'd probably plan ahead and not have to make dinners that week or pre-make them or something else. Right. So I try to plan ahead for that, but I know that some families don't have that and they, they have to make meals. Um, but I know that I would have to take a few minutes to myself and just like, okay, this is, this is going to be hard. This is going to be a challenging moment because there's multiple kids who are upset. My priority right now is the children, right? Dinner is going to have to be on pause because whatnot. And then I think to myself, okay, is this an emergency? And are, you know, is, is, are my children violently like fighting with each other? Is there blood? Like, is it an emergency? Right. If it's not an emergency, I'm, I have a lot more control over the situation, right? Because like, for example, dinner, taking even dinner burning, right? Or dinner just not being ready on time. That's not an emergency. We can deal with that. My priority is going to be my children. Are my children safe? Yes, they're safe. It's not an emergency. They're just, they're escalated right now. I can handle that. I don't have to handle it right this moment. I can take a few minutes for myself to change my mindset, whatnot, but come up with a plan, you know, of how I'm going to tackle this. Okay. What child needs me the most right now? What are they fighting about? Can I have a conversation with them together? Is that possible? If not, no, one child needs my attention the most. Okay. I'm going to separate them for right now. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to try to understand what this child needs or what happened or whatnot. Again, because the situation can vary on what they're fighting about, whatever this, with whatever the, um, is happening in the, in the home right, right then and there. But my, my, problem solving is going to be, okay, how can I meet this child's need? And how can I meet this child's need? How can I handle this night so that nobody feels like I'm abandoning them or neglecting them, shaming them, blaming them, 
Um, what is what are my options? And sometimes it might be you might have to say, okay, we're just going to put in a pizza and we're going to put on some music and we're going to have a dance party or we're going to have a movie night. We're going to do something to just it's not going to be a normal night. You know, like sometimes you just have to have some flexibility where it is it is what it is. Like that's just where where you're at. So that was another long winded answer, but it's just so hard because positive parenting can look different for, for everybody, for every family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think about just the other day, it was the day after Halloween and uh, I just, I don't know. I thought for some reason it would be fine. And I had this um, like new elaborate recipe planned um, for that, for the night. And my kids started bickering because it was taking longer than it was supposed to. And they started just back and forth and like biting each other's heads off, essentially. And I finally took a breath and I was like, I know I've said no TV on school nights, but right now they're exhausted. (laughs) Supper's already late. You guys go watch a Bluey. We'll talk later. love Bluey. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I know. (laughs) Go watch a Bluey. Hopefully, by the time the seven-minute Bluey is over, I will be ready for you. Yeah. That's that's such a good example. But I had to let go of my expectations, Mm -hmm. you know, for what Mm -hmm. a day is supposed to look like. And we're not Mm -hmm. supposed to watch TV, and you're not supposed to have that, you know, relaxed time. It should be homework, and Mm -hmm. you guys should be playing nicely together because you haven't seen each other all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That just wasn't, that wasn't happening the day after (laughs) Halloween. That's such a good example. Like that really is like, and you're so right. It's, it's the expectations we place on ourselves and our children. Like we believe that our children should be behaving a certain way. We believe that our home should look a certain way, that our Mm -hmm. family interactions should be a certain way. And when they're not that way, then that's when we start to get, you know, we start to feel those feelings that, that Mm -hmm. something is wrong. When in fact, if we were just to accept that's, just where we're at, um, we would be in such a different mindset. Mm-hmm. I love that framing it uh, instead of like thinking through, did the day go well from my perspective, switching it to, do I think my child felt heard and seen and loved today? I think that really shifts perspective in a really big way. Um, that is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Shifting gears just a tiny bit here, let's let's talk to our listeners now that are they're on board. Maybe they've even started doing some gentle parenting, or they're they're ready, but they have a partner who isn't. Mm. Their partner is not on board to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you speak to that? Oh, I can relate to this one. Okay. <laughs> um. Yes, I can relate 100% to this one. And I guess what I would say is that as long as your core values align, right? So for us, we kind of had, we had a conversation ahead of time, kind of explaining, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to start trying to parent. And with that, um, I like our non-negotiables were spanking. And and that was, we never used that. So that was an easy one, but that was always, that was always going to be a non-negotiable for me is like spanking is not happening in our home. 
and timeouts. We're not doing timeouts anymore. So those are kind of our two, like my two strong, like non-negotiables. Um, but then the rest of it is really more of, we just kind of respect each other's parenting styles. And, and my husband is more, I would say much more traditional, but also respects my, my way of how I want to. And we, we don't really um, interfere with each other's. And, um, but with that, when it comes to tantrums, it's all on me to manage those because um, he would, he would handle them very differently. And so I've, I've taken that on and by choice and that, because I, that's how I want the tantrums to happen is with the time in and, and my style. So mm-hmm. he's totally okay with that. He's like, if you want to handle all the tantrums, that's fine. And I'm like, okay, yes, I will, I will handle it. <laughs> Sounds like a very man thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I would say for other families that where the both parents aren't on the same page when it comes to positive parenting is all you can really do is control yourself. You can't, force your partner to get on board. It's really, it's just going to cause a lot of conflict. Again, it's that expectation that we were just talking about. If you are expecting your partner to parent the exact same way that you are parenting, and then they don't, there's going to be conflict there. So again, just accept where they're at, as long as they're not being, you know, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, you know, and they, they just have a different parenting style, different way to communicate things. Um, you know, as long as, as you are maintaining that positive parenting space, that even, even having one parent that parents that way is still going to drastically affect how a child develops throughout Mm -hmm. throughout the years. Um, And also your partner is going to notice changes also, and they'll see things that work and they, they, they can choose to adapt you know, and use different skills that they see you use because it works. So that would be my recommendation is just focus on yourself and, and try to try to model the parenting behavior you want your partner to um, also follow. That's good advice. Um, You may not have an answer for this one because I know you're not a teacher, but we do have a lot of teachers that listen as well. And I feel like this could be um, kind of like a helpful technique in the classroom, um, like a, a positive, you know, parenting teacher. <laughs> Not that we are the parents, but like we could take some of this stuff into the classroom with us. So I, um, I feel like this is actually kind of how I run my classroom, which is kind of funny because um, I have more patience at school <laughs> than I do when I come home and it's something that I've really been working on the last like year for sure Mm a couple years um so yeah I don't is there like you know um do you have any advice for the teachers using this in the classroom wow I I first I want to say how much just how much respect I have for teachers because as a parent of one like (laughs) (laughs) and to be able to you know handle all those children for that many hours during the day, it's like, wow. Like, so, and so, yeah, I, I can't even imagine, um, having to help all those young little humans through their emotional days. Um, but I guess what I would, what I would say, um, is that the important thing is to do your best to look beyond the behavior of a child. Cause I think it can, 
again, I'm not, I'm not a teacher. My, my sister used to be a teacher. Um, so I've heard, you know, some of her experiences and whatnot. I've never been a teacher, but I know I can imagine that you get to a point maybe with a certain child or a couple of children, right. That are the problem children where everyone just knows, Oh, they're they're That's Joseph, you know, like that's just, you know, he's just naughty all the time. And Mm -hmm. it can be so easy to think and just label a child as a bad child because they can't follow directions or, you know, they're, they, they aren't, um, they aren't able to sit still or they're disruptive, whatnot, but being able to look beyond those behaviors and, and really try to understand like, what is, what is happening for that child? Like there's, there's reasons behind every behavior. No child maliciously tries to just be the naughty child in class if they were able to, they would sit still and they would behave and follow directions if they were capable of. Like no child has wakes up during the day and, and thinks, okay, how can I be the worst possible child for my teacher, for my parents? How can I disrupt my peers and, and cause them all to hate me? Like no child wants to go through that. A lot of the things that they can't control are what they're getting in trouble for and what they're getting punished for. And I know it's hard because you, you're only one person as a teacher, right? And and schools aren't set up to um, to help all of these children that need more help developing skills and and being met with empathy. Um, and uh, I don't know, like I'm, I'm I'm so happy that there's so much more awareness now. I think around child development, there needs to be more, but I really want to see it happen more in schools where we can really help children in schools, but also a lot of that learning has to happen in the home too. So it's like educating parents, like how right. can how can parents really help set up their child for success? And how can the parents, parents work with teachers on what their child really truly needs um, outside of the classroom? Yeah, I agree. Sometimes we're running short on time here, but I think in my experience, sometimes it would look like um, when I was teaching kindergarten, especially, it would be the kids that were regulated and were doing okay. It was, you can go find your morning packet. You guys can go to your table spots and work quietly with your neighbor on your morning packets. And so-and-so and I are going to sit over here and do what we need to do. And I'm going to sit with him for a while. And um, yeah, yeah, that worked out well. And I, you know, went from needing to refer this child to like the principal's office, you know, quote unquote, um, multiple times a week to never because we would deal with the situation together. Mm-hmm. We would come up with an action plan together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was that same concept. I wasn't pushing him away mm-hmm. for, to be someone right. else's problem. It was working through it together. And then if need be, if, you know, apologies needed to happen or he needs to have a conversation with a classmate, then we were able to do that semi privately <laughs> while the other kids were working and help build that social connection mm-hmm. and, and repair any damage that might have been done in that way but but that's hard and that takes away from instruction and um mm-hmm. there's there's a lot that could be said there let's see just one last question i guess here um what can you tell our listeners who are just loving this conversation and want to look for more? 
where can they look like maybe they're even afraid that they're going to screw it up you know what where can they look maybe where can they start yeah so i would say books um researching kind of doing your own research um some of the books that are my favorite um the whole brain child is the book, the first book that I honestly read that introduced me to this, a different way of parenting, um, Dr. Daniel J. Siegel and, um, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson. They also wrote No Drama Discipline, which is another great book that I would recommend. Um, The Conscious Parent by Dr. Shafali um, Tassabari, I think is how you pronounce her last name, but that's another great book to read. Um, And then I would also um, social media. There's so many positive parenting accounts to follow. And it really, and there's so many different parenting styles and personalities that you can find that you relate to. There are some parents that are very open about their experiences and with their own children. And then there's other parents who are like, you know, doctors in the field and, and they share things in a very professional scientific way. So finding accounts that fit what, what, connects with you the most, um, is super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, podcasts also, there's so many good parenting podcasts out there. Um, I would recommend, I had written a couple down here. Um, good inside with Dr. Becky Kennedy is a good one. And then you mentioned Janet Lansbury with unruffled. Her podcast is also a great one as well. Yes. Yeah. I enjoy that. I listened to the good inside one before. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited we got to talk to you. <laughs> yes, this was great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. And by the way, you guys all need to go follow her. Um, she's kind of like a celebrity on Instagram. If you're not <laughs> following her already, what did you just hit? Like a hundred and one thousand people. I did just hit, yeah. I'm at 101k. I'm, I'm hardly a celebrity but thank you (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I mean we have like 1100 so I feel like anybody past that for sure 100,000 like (laughs) anybody in like the the five digits I'm like oh yeah they're they're celebrity status in my (laughs) mind for sure (laughs) awesome thank you so much KJ it was a great conversation thank you both it was nice talking to you guys We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mama's podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mama's podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, Don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.